Hello and welcome back to the next installment of the GM Masterclass series from the RPG Academy. This is GM Masterclass Return to Rokugan with Jim McClure. Jim, how are you doing today? I'm doing outstanding. You, you actually let me out of the basement for a little bit, which was your mistake, I feel like. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. It was a mistake. Uh, it took so much time, effort, and energy to recapture you. I lost, <laughs> I lost men. I lost good men. Uh, but we, we managed, we got you back in here. That tracker I put in your food was helpful. Yeah, I should have, I should have known that was coming and, uh, did not, did not suspect it. You're more spider than I remember. That, that is right. Uh, so this is going to be episode seven of our first GM Masterclass series. It has been several months. Yes, it has. Since we recorded episode six. So we're going to try to jump back into the groove of things. But if there is some repetition, that's probably the reason why. Uh, so again, this is going to be us re-listening to the original L5R series on OneShot. We're going to provide some color commentary, and when we think there's a reason, we will stop the audio and discuss in depth maybe why something happened the way it did or why it didn't happen the way it didn't. Uh, but I got a, I got something for you, Jim. Okay. Oh, Are goodness. you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Dagotsu. 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 I cannot pronounce that dude's name. You cannot. <laughs> but here's the thing is... I, I figured it out listening back to this. Okay. I, I always thought that goat couldn't be right. Okay. Because it's goat. Like, that okay. just, why does the guy saying goat? It's uh-huh. dumb. So I always made it got. Got, yes, Which also did. have the Kentucky accent. But right. when, you, when, you, when you put goat, it's Dagotsu Jin. It's right. not hard at all. <laughs> you just got to remember he's a goat. <laughs> so Dagotsu Jin. So that's, the, that's yeah. how to figure it out. Okay. Exactly. He's Dagotsu a goat. Jin. Now I'm good. <laughs> okay. So with that, we're going to jump right back into the audio. Um I'll, just a, as a funny little side note to, to that, I was a little bit terrified when when the L5R episodes these aired on one shot uh, because all of these name pronunciations are just what I've been doing. <laughs> like I was never really part of the L5R community. I just picked up the game and started playing with my friends and really, really liked it and, and got into it on an individual level. And I was like, someone's going to call me out because I guarantee there's things that I'm pronouncing that are completely right. wrong, but I still hold that I'm right. So now it's like that <laughs> telephone game where you were wrong right. and I'm wrong based off of your wrongness. Right. So I'm like two separations But away. if there's enough of us calling it the wrong name, then we can outnumber the people <laughs> calling exactly. it the right name and yeah, change it, right? Perception is a reality. In right. <laughs> if, if, a, if a person we go says it's Daigotsu, Bingo. it's Daigotsu. I like it. <laughs> all right. So the last thing that happened, um, as far as I can remember, this this is all the last episode. So episode yeah. six was part of the last episode of the series. That this one and probably one more <laughs> yeah. uh, will likely be the last episode. The two spider samurai that were beaten by the crab samurai, they were about to be killed. There was a big hubbubaloo outside of the camp. So we all came out uh, and basically he'd uh, kind of shunned them and told them they couldn't do that and it's beneath them. And then uh, Gotsu Jin shows up. And we're all like, oh, it's, here it is. This is but it, that's not what happened. Like nope. we, we were building towards what we thought was going to be the end. But yeah. Jim's like, no, no, yep. this isn't the end. So we had that big moment. Um, it was pretty clear that Daigotsu was really pushing Miramoto to be his champion. And he, there's even a line, I did not catch it mm-hmm. until this listen through where he says, there will be a temple and you'll either be its, on its foundations or you'll be on its throne. Yep. And I was like, oh, that's a very specific word that you use. You were saying you could be part of this and be the leader of it, which was that hint that he wanted them to be his champion. 
did not pick up on it at all. Which is a shame because that at this point in time was targeted actually at you um, <laughs> for scenes that we're about to see coming up soon. Because if we recall essentially what, what the the Jim's GM mind is working towards right now, and it's sort of why we didn't go into finale at this point, is I pretty much knew I had James's character locked in dueling for Yusuke. Uh, you know, I kind of forced his hand on that going like, you know, he sort of got voluntold and then yeah. tried to backtrack yeah, out. Too but late. Didn't, didn't really happen. <laughs> But I still have to get your character, Michael, on board with dueling for Daigotsu because that's what the ending duel is in my mind. Right. So we have this conflict back and forth, and I present that as like, yes, there is good things that can happen to your character if you go along with Daigotsu. But there needs to be a little bit harder of a push, which, as we're, we discussed, will be coming up in scene shortly. Yes. But I do want to I want to deep, deep dive into that a little bit more. Okay. Because one of the things that we've talked about with this series is the difference between like railroading, mm-hmm. agency, and then your idea of this narrative s- plot. And one could argue that by not letting us have the ending that kind of made sense right there. Like right. We, we could have had an ending right there, but you basically didn't allow us to. Does that step on our toes in agency? Do you think that crosses the line a little bit? I do not. Um, and it's a very, very legitimate question because uh, you, you are absolutely right. In, in this moment, I as the GM am sort of taking the reins and going, I'm going to control a little bit of what happens in this story because this feels like a very natural finale point. Um, but because of what I was building towards, I didn't want this to be a finale point. So I made it so that it did not escalate further. Instead, that I de-escalated it back down. Now, whether that's railroading, whether that's not, that's going to be up to individual people to ultimately decide. But what I can tell you is um, I don't feel like I removed any of your agency. You know, if you all went, okay, I draw my sword and I charge him, and I went, no, 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 no. Now I'm railroading. Now I'm saying, no, you can't do what you want to do. But where you all are still very much in the, I'm going to say the passive state, okay? You showed up, you you explained your sides. We had a, you know, our, our confrontation back and forth, but you all were not initiating conflict beyond that. You were waiting to see what Daigotsu did. That to me is you all passing narrative authority back to me as the GM. You're saying, we're going to react to what you do. And what I was going to do was to continue towards the direction that I wanted to set up. If you all had drawn swords, drawn bows, and been like, okay, we fight now, that would have been our finale. That that would have been it. To try and put an end to that would be railroading. But to give you a reason why I was comfortable continuing and pushing down the line is because this ended in unresolved tension. Okay, We built up both narrative and actual tension between characters of like, Oh, we have to, this Daigotsu guy just, (laughs) and because nothing actually got resolved, we just expressed our points, that tension is going to continue to roll forward into the next scenes with him, so we don't have any of the loss of that, and I think that really comes through when we hit sort of the the final duel on it. Okay, and then I would, you know, I'm I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate Sure, absolutely. Because we've talked about before where I feel it's okay, and you seem to feel it's okay, to manipulate players Mm -hmm. by how and when we provide information. And I think that's what you did there is that you were playing Daigotsu Jin and you basically backed off a little bit. Like mm-hmm. you, you settled down. You didn't force us to settle down. You just backed him off a little bit, which caused us to back off a little bit. So it was a manipulation, but I don't think it removed our agency and I don't think it was railroading yes. necessarily, but it's close. Exactly. It could have went the wrong way 
if you, as you said, were just like, okay, I don't want you to do this now. Wait. Exactly. And and that's, to me personally, where I see the line being drawn is when I negate an action the players want to take. Almost everything up into that line, to me, is not railroading. To me, does not remove agency. It's when you all want to do something that you should be able to logically do and I prevent it from happening, that's when I'm overstepping my bounds. And again, I will, we've said this many times over, that is Jim's personal take on, on railroading versus, versus structured narrative story. All right. So let's get into this, which I assume we the second half of the last episode. Uh, this is right after, basically, we're going to pick up the audio. I'm, I'm talkative this morning, we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I will find the truth. Damn it. <laughs> well, find the truth, damn it. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. I don't know if I can. <laughs> I fucking can't. With, with that, he turns around and the spider departs. Do you guys pick up on that sexual tension? <laughs> <laughs> this is feudal Japan. Oh, that's the one you need to get tattooed across your chest. <laughs> All right, so we uh, took a break just in the interest of peeling back the curtain here, and uh, we this game is intense. So, honestly, we talked about it off mic for a long time, and we've actually uncovered some interesting tidbits of lore about the world that are drastically important to the decisions that we're making right now. <laughs> we'll not just say germane bit. to the decision that's about to be made. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, why don't you fill us in on that, Jim? Well, the, the the question, of course, that the group, as they continued their investigation off camera, as it were, um, <laughs> discovered was into the nature of this shrine or statue or whatever it is that's being constructed in the, the dry riverbed at this point of who exactly Shahai is. And she, the character of Shahai is very well known in the Crablands, less so in the Dragon Northern regions, but fairly widespread. And she was a very prominent blood speaker, a Maho Sukai, who uh, practiced blood magic and fought with the crab for a long period of time. She was the, the wife of Jahai, not a nice lady, the uh, spider clam. And ultimately, of course, she met her demise, presumably in this spot. Uh, she is one of the most ruthless and aggressive made up lore. that ever were of the quote-unquote spider clan. They weren't a clan at the time um, that she was serving. And she was most well-known for killing Cooney witch hunters and actually wore a bandolier of their jade bracelets across her um, to signify her victories. Okay. And that is the shrine to her who now the spiders see as a goddess that they are constructing so, or statue or temple. Re, uh, you know, mutual respect of religious observance aside, <laughs> that could be politically disastrous. Uh, and certainly it would enrage the crab, but the crab it won't it wouldn't stop at arranging the crab um it it would certainly be it some could see as an intentional sign of disrespect to them to establish one so close to their territory or on their territory depending on of course what our wary travelers ultimately decide and uh you know i i my character has made it clear what he wants out of this situation and that is to prevent what seems like an almost inevitable conflict. Almost. You know, almost. The orders uh, of his daimyo, which now seem to almost be focused on kicking off this conflict. So it's it's weird. It's a weird, bad situation. There really is no good answer 
that we are in. So thanks, Jim. Let's pause and talk a little bit about uh, two things that just sort of occurred there. One being, um, well, we, we couldn't have timed this any better. There's a theme of breaks that yeah. happen between games. <laughs> I'm going to say I planned this out. <laughs> I, I did not. I did not plan that out. Like any GM, you just take credit for it on a podcast yeah, afterwards yeah, that it was silence planned. Silence is better than – was it uh, better to keep your mouth shut and appear wise than open your mouth and remove all doubt? Right, Exactly. So a couple interesting things happened here. One, there was a break in time during the recording of the L5R series. Uh, and just to let everyone know what happened on that is we recorded the first night. We all sort of met up there in Chicago and did all the way up until this break literally that just occurred. And it was getting late because it was running longer because we were all pretty engaged with what was happening. And the next day, there was actually a little convention that was going on in Chicago, which was sort of the other reason we were all up there, right. uh, the domestics thing with Will Highmarch. Um, so what we agreed to, we're like, hey, we're all going to be here tomorrow night anyway. Let's go ahead and cut for tonight. Let's break. Let's digest a little bit. We do the domestics thing. We game for six, seven, eight hours there. And then we went back to James's, uh, the one chat recording studio and recorded there sort of this last uh, bit of time through the end of the game. Didn't we also break for dinner? There was a break at some point earlier. Um, I don't know. I was trying to listen to the audio, but he actually did a good job of editing yeah, that together. I couldn't I place think, where. I feel like we stopped for dinner in this section, because like, this is a long episode. I think that like halfway through this part, we stopped Oh, did we do again. a break on this, though? Because I, I, I remember... I know there was a dinner break, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think it was during this time, because I, I remember part of the reason why what happens happens is because I had that break to think about what I wanted to do. Okay. And I sort of like came up with what, what I needed to have happen. Your, yes, yeah, your so insane michael <laughs> So I think it happens here. But anyways, it's, I okay. digress. So the, the thing that, that occurred to me, um, and this is a bit of, uh, you know, it's not going to come out that much in the audio, but it, it's some GM advice that I really want to give because I drove the group of the four of us back from the Domestics event to the One Shot Studios to record. And as I was driving us in the car, at this point, we had been gaming for essentially 24 <laughs> hours, okay? All four of us. And I was like, these are some of the most talkative people I've ever met. And we just rode 20 minutes in silence in a car because everyone was just tired. And I knew that we were going towards a finale-level event, okay? And I was tired, too, okay? What one of the things as a GM that I strongly believe that you need to at least be aware of how much of it you can use is going to depend some on personality and all of that. But you have to be able to control the energy at the table. And as soon as we sat down on the mics and started talking back at the one shot thing, I was just instant energy and I was very animated with my hands. I was all over the place because I was like, I have to rally the troops for the finale event that we're going into because if I don't bring energy, there is going to be just a very natural low level of energy. Also, I, I take a little bit more active role in initiating scenes in the narrative in this part. And it's, it's more because of again, reading the table and the events that were occurring there, which is, Okay, they're more mentally tired. They've been playing. You know, thinking through active things is going to be harder to do. Being reactionary to things is going to be easier to do. So I adjust a little bit in style and tempo to handle that. So my advice to you all is always pay attention, always read the table, and understand that you as as the uh, essentially the de facto authority figure at the table as a GM do a lot to control the energy thereof. So I don't know if it's directly related, but something that makes me think of this whole situation is you provided us some information off mic, essentially. 
And, you know, to a regular non-podcasty game, you could think of that as between sessions. Right. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm part of a lot of message boards and Facebook Facebook groups and such. And one of the things that comes up a lot is a, a DM will say, how do I get my players to remember stuff and write things down? So they get a clue that old man Johnson, you know, is a widower. And then that's a clue that's important. And when, when something happens later and someone messes up and mentions that he never got married or whatever, I'm trying to make up stupid stuff. Sure. Go, and then the players don't remember that. The DM can be frustrated. It's like, you know, well, I, you know, what, what do you do in that case? My advice is, is remind them, guys, you heard he was a widower. This doesn't make sense. And I don't know that, I, you know, I'm sure a lot of DMs disagree and that's fine, but I don't think that you should assume that your players know everything your characters know. And your characters probably know stuff that your players don't yep. know. So don't be afraid to just say, you know, two weeks ago, we, when we played, you learned X. This contradicts Y. That's not as cool. It's not as fun as when the players remember it, but I don't think they should be punished for it. The only caveat I would throw in is if this is some sort of like bonus information, like if they remember this, the fight will be easier, or if they remember that, they might get additional treasure. I'm okay with that being something that you don't learn, but if it stops the game or keeps you from being able to to succeed, then I say just give them the information. Uh, yeah, I want to touch. I want to touch on that um, because that that is a very very good point that you make, Michael. On it, and um, you know where we're talking a little bit about session to session type stuff. It is very easy for things to get forgotten, you know, in session to session. And a lot of times, I see it on players. Uh, you know, if their character perhaps wasn't directly involved in getting the information, it doesn't sink in as deep. So when it comes up again a week, two weeks later, a month later, you know, whenever that becomes relevant again, it's not always there. Well, and it's also the idea of like crafting a story. Yeah. In a novel, I want there to be subtle clues that when I find the reveal, I go, oh, yeah. this isn't a novel, though. And right. it, it, if it's too subtle, then there's no way they're going to pick up on it. So either at the time that they get it, this is important. He's a widower. Remember that. Or when you get to the end, you have to say, this contradicts something you already know. Right. I'll tell you a, a, a trick that I use for it, um, which I don't think it, it's not that groundbreaking, but it's something that I do that I do think has good effect to it. For continual campaign type play, at the beginning of each play session, I go and I ask the group, I go, what happened last time? And I will never say a word as far as what happened last time. I will only let them describe because what they're going to describe are the big things that they remember. And then the parts that I want them, like what you're talking about, Michael, the little like inflections, little details – I will then ask them follow-up questions. So I will ask them, you know, okay, what happened last time? Oh, well, we fought and killed that big Oni that, that was in the river. Um, and I'll be like, uh, how did that fight start? And they're like, oh, yeah, it was throwing rocks into the river. And then that reinforces the, oh, it's probably the one that built the dam and the one responsible for it. Uh, and I do that uh, to sort of help allow the players to remind themselves. And the other little trick I do is I listen to that going, these are the big things that they remembered, they interacted with, and they want to continue to interact with. So if all the stuff that's popping off off the top of their mind is not the stuff that I was thinking about, they're interacting with different parts of the story. And I need to know that as a GM for how I'm going to handle it, whether I'm going to change to go the direction direction that they're focusing on or whether they're not picking up what I'm dropping down and I need to be a little heavy handed with it. Um, so that's one of the things I do. 
So that reminds me of my favorite game, uh-huh. Hanabi. <laughs> if anyone's not familiar with Hanabi, it's I, awesome. I introduced two people to it yesterday, Isn't too. It's so, it's it's so, so good. But, uh, but one of the concepts of Hanabi is that the player never knows what they have in their hand. They only know what everyone else has, and it's a game of uh, you know information. So one of the things that you can do is you can ask the other player, what do you know about your hand? And they can tell you what they think they know. And if they're wrong, you can't correct them. Yep. But it changes how you will give information in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he forgot he had two green fours. So now I will tell him he has two green fours. So if you say, what happened last session? And they completely forget the fact that they met the traveler on the road. You might want to say, so you remember the travel. And as you start the game, you just go back and touch on what you needed to touch on. Right. Without influ- you know, influencing their, their remembrance. Another thing I will touch on, because we're already 20 minutes in. And we right. listened to a two-minute audio. <laughs> Is back when fourth edition came out. Um, you know, again, I know you're one of the people who love fourth love edition. It. Love it. I don't think it's nearly as bad as mo- many people have said, but but it, it approached the game differently. Right. It approached it very video gamey, which I think it was intentional. And one of the things that I did when I first started playing fourth edition is I kind of bought into that and I made little cards. So like if someone got a plus one sword, I would give them a physical card that said mm. plus one sword, and you could do the same thing for clues. Like, you know, at the, in between sessions, you can go, okay, here's all the clues that you got last time. Yep. And just right on there, yep. old man Johnson is a widower. You're telling them it's important without in, the, without in the flow of the information focusing on it, but reminding them later. And then they have a little thing that says clues, and it has the three things. And so that's a bit heavy-handed. Yeah, yeah. But I think it would be very effective, particularly for newer players who may not be as savvy with picking up on information. Exactly. Yep, and, and agree. And a lot of that also depends on, yeah, again, how, how core the information is and how much time. I mean, if you're gaming once a month, that's a lot of lost information, and things like that can help significantly. And depending on the player, and especially, like you say, new players as well, who are just overwhelmed by the, oh, I'm rolling dice and adding modifiers to it, this is awesome. Awesome. <laughs> you know, all of that stuff is, is very, very handy on it. Awesome. All right, let's get back to the audio. And, and, and with this, this is our mindset of both player and character, and I feel wonderful harmony from it. And that leads <laughs> us into where we left off, which is the spider have now departed. It is late evening and tired, while the crab armies are still standing there, making sure that all of the spider depart from their territory are... Three travelers, Hida, Haruma, and Morimoto, now stand, deciding what they believe their next action should be. I believe the blade of my mind may be dulled by today, and I think I need rest before we make further decisions. Indeed, if any of the more disastrous events are to take place, I will need to be at my false composure as well. I agree. I have fought for many days without sleep. This is all meta-commentary on our actual <laughs> I know, life. Yep. And my performance certainly faltered. I was literally about to say, you, you can tell the players are tired. This is the first time I've ever heard players voluntarily go to sleep to progress the time. <laughs> Many offer dim, if any, hope. We should reconvene early tomorrow before we continue to perform our test, which, which we still do not know the nature of. Right. Well, Miramoto. Miramoto, uh, I understand that the lodgings you have been given may not be in the best condition, and I wish to extend an invitation to you uh, to rest this evening with Hiruma and myself. An invitation such as that is far too gracious. You are most kind. <laughs> and with our... <laughs> Is that the first refusal? That's the first refusal. <laughs> right, it is. Ah, oh, we got to do our three refusals. Ah, sorry, I lost it there for a second. Uh, 
Because we remembered that we had to do this <laughs> right. yeah. later. If someone was dishonorable, just, oh, Jade, gimme, gimme. Right. Fault. And scrolls. Right. And katanas. Beyond, That's not a gift. Not it was a katanas. message intended for me. Sasha. He was just a conduit. <laughs> but beyond kind, it also makes sense good that retort. with the dangers in the village, you might be a target of an attack mm. of some sort. This is true wisdom. However, that such kindness in times like this, I would not put you out. In times like this, kindness and brotherhood should be lifted above any sort of outputance or uh outputance I, of, <laughs> I think that's a dismarried situation <laughs> that means i have to support caleb on that i insist that you join us this evening in the spirit of respect for the hardship that we have faced and the hardship that lies ahead of us i humbly accept your offer and with that, the three members that. have finally ex- agreed to sleep together, and they depart. Yeah, that's what you wanted, <laughs> isn't it, right. audience? That that's sexual what you tension. wanted. Mm. I really hope there's a baseline cut in right now. <laughs> yeah, we were a little slap happy. You, you, you depart to, of course, the rooms that have been set up for you. Um, while it is the same building, of course, the individual sleeping quarters are separated with rice paper walls, so you certainly. Whether they were or not, they were going to be now. Yep. It's not just one open room. What are we, savages? We couldn't live that way. And you all rest for the evening. At some point during the night, it is late. Uh, you have been asleep for some hours. Uh, Haruma, you, you hear it's very quiet, but you hear the rice paper wall that blocks off yours slide open. And a figure enters where you're asleep. Uh, again, not knowing the etiquette well, I'm assuming this would be a violation of some sort of Yes, if, if, if you stabbed whoever this was, you would clearly be forgiven. Okay. For uh, this kind of intrusion. So, But again, as a samurai, I would assume that I, I'm more disrespected than scared. Yes, most certainly. Yeah. And I would... Um, who would enter my dwelling unannounced? Shh. We must speak. And we must speak alone. Do I recognize the voice? It's a deep, growly voice. A little hoarse from his yelling earlier in the Uh, evening. Daigatsu Jin, this is clearly improper. (laughs) Haruma, if we are to become family, you must come and speak with me now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Now we're now we're taking a well. If it was powered by apocalypse, we'd call this a GM hard move, right? <laughs> um, so, I in a minute after the scene plays out, we're going to talk more about the details of of why this scene occurred. But one of the things I want to touch on, as we've talked several times throughout this series about, is um, uh, again what what I call geographic fluidity. Okay. The next scene that I knew needed to occur was the scene where Daigotsu convinces you, your character, Michael, to duel for him. Attempts. <laughs> Attempts would be the correct word, yes. But it, in my GM brain, yeah. I'm going, that's what I need to set up. It's the last piece I need before the finale to occur. Um, so how that scene is going to happen, I already know and we're about to hear. Um, you know, Daigotsu has a plan to make that occur for him. And where this occurs, though, I want to emphasize, could be anywhere. 
and it was totally going to be off whatever you all decided to do. Thankfully, you all decided to just go to sleep, uh, which again is a gift that no players ever give the GM. <laughs> I was shocked that you all just gave it to me. So I'm like, this is perfect. Okay, we'll just, you know, he's going to go accost you in the night. And then, of course, Caleb, unspeaknown, was trying to, to thwart my plans. Like, hey, we should all sleep together in case shenanigans <laughs> happen in the night. And I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Don't know, shut up. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if you had decided to go meditate out in the woods, Dagotsu would have shown up there. If you were to decide to go, you know, at any point, as long as you were alone for a second anywhere, that's where I can make Dagotsu show up because that is the power and narrative control I have as the GM, um, where I think a lot of people get themselves, uh, or I should say can get themselves in trouble thinking, okay, I need him to have a conversation with Dagotsu, but Dagotsu went back to his village, so how am I going to get, okay, I need to make the player go back to the village. Well, no, I'm the GM. I can make the NPCs show up wherever it is that they need to show up. You know, as soon as it's logical, you know, yeah. it's night. They move He's, at the speed of plot. They move at the speed of plot. Absolutely. So what, what we did with this scene was, you know, while ultimately it ended up being him waking you in the night to silently talk about you, it could have been anywhere at any time you were alone. And that's all I was looking for is the GM. And then <coughs> – and then the specifics of the scene, we'll, we'll listen to it and then discuss that after. All righty. And with that, you just hear it slide back closed. Okay. Would I feel the need to get like dressed in full attire for this, or is this like a oh, sneak out in my th- There's no proper <laughs> etiquette at this point for it, so I will le- leave that decision Same on you. Boxers. Okay. You should at least cover your skin. Although, you know, you are both spider and crab, the two clans that do not care about that. No, they don't. They like their big, open, hot bathings. Yep. True, but at the same time, I don't want to talk to this guy without my weapons on me, because... Um, yeah, so I'm at least going to get dressed to the point that I could wear my blades. Okay, so you you, you throw on a kimono, you, okay. you, you you have your your katana and wakizashi on you, and you you exit yes. the the building, um, and and standing nearby it. I mean, now that you're out in a little bit more light, um, it, it's not a full moon, but you're about a three quarters moon. So there's enough light that you can you can make out enough. You see the big scar running down his head. Um, thank you for joining me, Haruma. Apologize for coming into you in the evening, but we needed to speak alone. I hope this conversation brings wisdom to the decision that will be made tomorrow and not cloud it further. I'm sure it will bring more wisdom than your dragon <laughs> compatriot will ever bring to the situation. But I think we'll... you judge him unfairly, but please continue. Our conversation tonight is about family. And I was gracious enough to provide you a home when your family did not like you, training when your family would not provide it for you, a wakizashi when your family would not replace it for you. We are entering a dangerous time, in a time where the spider and the crab should be more aligned than ever. I do not disagree with that. I would hope not, as not only was it part of the agreement that you would be sent to train with us, your sister is to be wed to me, and will be arriving shortly. Now, I don't want her to arrive to a river of bloodshed. Would you want that either? No. The utmost important to all three of us is that there is no bloodshed. You want an opportunity to solidify your place back with your family, do you not? Or do you want to be an outcast traveling with Dragon forever? 
It is my desire to find my place in this world, wherever that may be. It is here by my side right now. You have a place of higher station than you will ever have anywhere else. You will have the I honor. Since Vader, <laughs> join me and we shall rule the galaxies together. Your decision. If you are naive enough to believe that the three of you will determine the outcome of this, you are not the man I believe you to be. This will be decided with bloodshed at this point. And when it gets to that point, will you stand by your true family's side? Or will your sister have to feel the repercussions of your choice? It is absolutely paramount to me that my sister be harmed in no way by the decisions that are made here. And that will weigh heavily on my mind. Then I recommend you stand by my side when the time comes, when I ask. Is that understood, Haruma? It is understood that whatever I do must not put my sister in jeopardy. I've explained exactly how you will prevent your sister from being in jeopardy, and I can assure you, if you do not stand by your true family, that will directly put your sister in jeopardy. Aruma, sleep on these words. And he departs into the night. God, what the hell? Man, I was like this close to being okay with this dude. To think You're it, asleep. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps he's in a situation where he could be reasonable, but he's just not. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can hear it in, in our reaction at yes. the table. Everyone was like, <gasps> you know. Right. So a lot of things just occurred. Yeah. Um, you. Mm -hmm. uh, so as, as we talked about, we, we are, and I, I made no bones about exactly what I wanted this scene to be, which is I'm trying to get you to set up to fight for Daigotsu. And he comes in hard and he comes in heavy with both carrot and stick. He's going – Hey, you know how your family like abandoned you and we took you in and I give you everything and I've been nice to you and I'm going to give you a seat of power. Also, I'm marrying your sister. And if you mess it up, I'm going to to make her uncomfortable. Um, yeah. you know, it is like, okay, here is as hard of a carrot and stick as I can drop on your character. Do what I want you to do. What was your – where was Michael at this point when this drops? Uh, it's it's really hard to go that far back, but I I know that it didn't have the effect that you intended, obviously. Sure. Uh, and, and, in fact, it sort of hardened me against him. Right. Because I, cause I, I don't remember being too far on the spider side, but through, through play, clearly, there were a few times where I'd be like, well, let's not jump to conclusions. Right. And I think at this point I was pretty much like, uh, oh, no. The, right. the, I felt like he was such a bad dude that even if I gave him what he wanted, if he married my sister, that was going to be bad for her. So I think that was a part where I was like, I need to make sure that doesn't happen. Right. And that definitely leads into what I do. Right. Even though what I do didn't have the effect that I wanted it to. Because in my mind, I was having the, the thought process. I go, okay, the players know that there's three of them that are going to make the decision. And ultimately what's going to happen is if I if I force him hard enough, because there's no way his sister's not there, he can't take her and run off with her. Like there's no way for you to, Michael's character, for you to defuse that situation. So that is a stick that he's always going to wield unless he ends up dead. Like that's the only way yeah, you exactly. can. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the only thing that might stop that. 
the only thing that could stop that exactly. So in my mind, what I was working towards is, okay, Michael's going to ultimately cave in and side with Daigotsu, knowing it will be a two-to-one vote, which would then still side with, right. uh, with, with the crab, and that he feels comfortable doing that. So it's like we're playing Survivor. Like, I'm not writing your name down right. because I know you're getting voted off anyways, and then when you're on the jury, it saves face. Exactly, exactly. And that's what where I was in my mind going, like, okay, that's probably what will happen. I go, and then it'll be fine because then Daigotsu will just go like, hey, this was never a democratic decision anyway. He's going to force the hand further, and it's going to lead to the duel. And so that's where I was where I was going with that. And it's also why he didn't say, will you duel for me? It's just when I call upon you, you support me. Okay, and then ultimately the way it was going is that Mirimoto was probably going to deliver the verdict. He's going to call on you to go like, hey, you need to stand up for me. You'll say what you want to say, and then Caleb will come in as the tiebreaker. And this is how again I'm envisioning in my mind, and whatever happens happens. But right. this is what we're what we're going towards. And it uh, and so th- that scene it definitely dropped very heavy handed. It was like the okay, Daigotsu Jin is a bad dude, and even though as we've talked about. It's been pretty obvious throughout that he is. It's only easy to say that in hindsight because of what we talked about. Again, this dual stacking plot. I mean, you you heard James say it like just when I thought he was a decent guy, even though he's done nothing decent throughout. But the reason being is because we're stacking evidence on both sides. And subconsciously speaking, when we find out that the crab leader is weak and cursed by taint and making him lower in her eyes, it elevates Daigotsu, even though there's no actual logical correlation between those things. It's just how we perceive story and how we perceive characters in story. So then I want to talk about players. Because this is, you know, we, we've been very heavy on the, yes, GM is God, and if GM <laughs> knows what he's doing, he will deliver you an amazing story. And the reality is we all know this is a, a two-way street. And this scene was a as clear of an example of it get as as the two-way street, which is the player buy-in, which is what you did, Michael. Up until this point in the story, we had had zero discussion about your sister. She had not been a character. She was not part of it. Uh, and I, as the GM, sort of dropped that on your lap. And it was necessary for the tension that we were building up. If you as a player just went like, nah, I was never close to my sister. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah. It yeah. ruins everything, right. you know. But instead, what you did was you were like, okay, this is important. I am going to give willingly give the GM leverage over me. I'm going to buy into this situation. I'm going to go, yes, I care about my sister. I don't want anything bad to happen to her. That then allows the GM to use that to make an interesting, compelling story and interesting, compelling moments. And it's one of my big advice to players I say all the time. I know this is generally a PG show, but but you'll get a little language from me, which is I, I tell players, I encourage you as a players, give your GM as much ammunition as they possibly can to fuck with you. Like, you absolutely want to do it because the more things that you can give them to mess with your character and mess with the story, the more interesting of a story you all are going to tell at the table. And one of the big pieces of advice I give with that is a lot of people go, oh, yeah, I, I do like flaws. I like to gamble. I like all that. And I go, that's good. And those are good things to have on your character. But I go, you know, one of the best pieces of leverage you can give is things that you love, things that you absolutely want out of life, that you want to do, characters that you are heavily engaged with. You know, don't be the I care about nothing character because there's no way to have fun and engage with that. 
if you didn't buy into the sister angle, I mean, just the way the rest of this story goes and the entire next story would have nixed all of that. Right. But solely by going, yes, I buy into your concept that I care about the sister, let's roll with this, is what made this finale work and essentially told half of the story that happens in the next part of the L5R series. So there's a couple things there I would jump in um, to, to kind of echo that is we're big proponents here at the RPG Academy that the game is not DM versus player. It's cooperative storytelling in, in whatever facets that means to you. And if you were the type of GM that were, was just trying to, to screw me over, then it would have been really dumb for my character to go outside by himself and, and talk to Daigutsu. But I didn't think that you were that type of DM, so I went out and I put my blades on me because right. I thought that you know makes sense. But, but the fact that I didn't just start yelling... Dagotes is in the camp. Dagotes is in the camp, and raise the alarm and get everyone because that would we wouldn't have had that scene, and it would just I, I, I basically I trusted you enough that there's a reason why you want this to happen. It would be better for the story if I go with it, and that's what I would tell the players is is buy into what your DM is trying to do. There's probably a reason for it. It's probably going to enhance the game. That doesn't mean I gave up all agency because again I didn't do what you right. wanted me to do, but I gave you the opportunity to have a scene, and then that also goes to advice to players about their backgrounds, leave spaces. Like it's okay to say you have a sister, but you don't even have to give your sister a name. Right. What she does, older, younger, marriage situation, you know, and then that way the DM can say, well, your sister, who you know is the magistrate of the city you just came to, I didn't know that, but now that makes perfect sense. I have a sister, now I'm connected to the city. It allows the DM to have some tools to play with, again, to, to draw you in. And just to touch on quickly, you meant the gambling flaw. That's a, that's a great one. Great. But that doesn't mean as a DM, I'm going to say, okay, you're going to get into a gambling match now. It's going to be just somebody you owe a lot of money to, remember? Because yep. you're a gambler, and you lost 2000 to this person. And now when that person comes in, it's not a brand new NPC. This is an NPC you have history with even though we didn't until I said it. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that buying into it m makes everything feel so much more real. And again, it, it gives the GM narrative tools to set up interesting scenes, you know, like, like the gambling one we talk about, uh, you know, the, the way to, you know, if you just go, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm really into gambling and I have debts. I don't have a lot of money. It's like, you know, that that's good. But then when you walk into, you know, the, the, the CD bar and all of a sudden it's like, you know, your other party members recognize, oh, that's the big bad, but he's over there playing poker. All of a sudden, your character should be like, oh, I want to get in that poker game. Right. You know, no, I don't need all these weapons holding me down. You know, and then you're thrusting yourself into an interesting situation, and it, it gives that that fodder to the GM and ultimately gives the feedback that makes tabletop the highest form of art <laughs> known to mankind. I don't think I've got that in yet this series, so. Uh, I think you have. Okay. But, but, but I, we'll have to go to the scoreboard later. Okay, fair, fair. Uh, but then the last thing I'll say before we, can, we move on is there's a reciprocal nature to this. And not to spoil too much about part two, but there's an, a scene that echoes this scene. Again, the, the, yep. the, the, which I think might be my favorite scene I've ever been a part of. And I feel like you gave me that scene because I gave you this one. Mm -hmm. Whether it was like a, a conscious decision yes. or not, they echoed one another. It made so much narrative sense. And it was a great callback the way it happened. You know, again, it was the echo to each other or the mirror image. But it, it was just a, a great scene that I think I felt like this is payback. And and just without, we'll talk about more on that in the way, way future when we hit that. But just to give that point, yeah, it, it is a scene where, like you said, it was a mirror. And you came into that scene with very much a, I'm taking the reins. Mm -hmm. And me as the GM, because we had built that trust with each other, was like, okay, 
I now as the GM and following. Um, and we did have that, that wonderful, uh, yes, wonderful mirror symbiote. And it was a beautiful scene. It was. It was great. Yes. I'll quit patting pat myself on the back <laughs> now. All right. Okay. With that, he's departed. So you are free to go back to sleep or whatever it is you would like to do at this I, point. I will go back to sleep. Uh, the next morning, my compatriots will probably find me somewhat distracted. But I'm not going to share with them what happened last night. And, and as is tradition, of course, you all are woken up. Breakfast has been prepared for you. And you are summoned so to the eating before area. Before I go to sleep last night, I wanted to uh, do an investigation on the scroll and just see. Well, as I hate retconning, mm-hmm. why don't we say when you wake up in the morning? Okay, sure. Fair. Um, so, yeah, when I wake up in the morning... And you were specifically looking at essentially the validity of the scroll. Yeah, and I roll an eleven, so I learned nothing. Uh, you, yeah, you you don't know enough, but I mean, every, every mm-hmm. basic thing that you understand about it checks out. It, mm-hmm. it, the seal seems to be the seal that you've seen your entire life. Again, it was sealed when you got it. Yeah, it doesn't appear any tampering. Um, as far as you can tell, you haven't seen much of your sensei's handwriting, but it does appear to be you know in a dragon style of handwriting. Okay, or, of calligraphy. I get up and I strap on my swords and go to breakfast. So, three samurai sit at breakfast together. Haruma, distracted. Morimoto, angry. And Hida, stoic. It is time for them to decide their plan of action. I sense disquiet in both of you, my friends. There is much that will happen this day. When trying to peer into water to see a path of danger, one's movements often cloud the water. But yet we must push through such water if we are to reach any conclusion. Indeed. Lest we be drowned. As we spoke yesterday, while the chance of truthful information is slim... I believe that it is still worthwhile for me to speak to the kami again in the clearing where the blood magic occurred. If I am to be honest, this is my last true hope for any clarity. Hiruma, will you come with us? Of course. I will see this through one way or the other to the end. Would clarity help the narrative? My my words there, telling. (laughs) There is little time. So, you all are getting up early, it sounds, and departing for breakfast to make mm-hmm. our way back to where the clearing is. Um, as you depart, you do see Yusuke um, making his way again on his giant steed into breakfast. You are clearly going to miss him if you decide to leave now, or you can stay and present pleasantries. I say no. It's just going to make things worse. Think you, we... have, you have no honor obligation to. I just He was clearly coming to breakfast at a fashionably late time and you all ducking out early are going to miss him. Mm -hmm. I think our interaction with him has gone as far as it has gone at this point. If I learn anything more about that dude, I just don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) You just can't even. No more poetic words. (laughs) That's great. He's literally scared to get more information. (laughs) So with that, you all depart. With that, mm-hmm. uh, with that um, you, you again, once again, cross the makeshift bridge. Um, you see down where the, um, the 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 statue or the palace or whatever it is or shrine being constructed. Uh, there's no one attending to it at this time. Um, 
the supplies are still just there, and again, there's no understanding of what what it will be. It's just basic supplies. So, so there's no one working there at there this time. There is no one there currently. A small, insignificant detail that will derail what's happening. <laughs> that was your supposed to be your inside voice. <laughs> yes, yeah, that was supposed to be the GM inside voice. Yes. <laughs> I've now given the players an opportunity that was just filler sentences. Like a ninja. A spit in the ground. (laughs) Agreed. But in our task and in light of our orders, I believe we are well within our right to inspect anything that may shed light upon our dilemma. And given the confusing nature of how this building project has been described and presented to us i do fear subterfuge hidasan i if you can lend wisdom to this situation i would hear it and i am willing to allow you to do this then let us make a slight detour and at least gaze over the building with finer detail mm. so you all Enter into the construction site, and again, there's nothing to be seen. Uh, roll investigation to search the campsite. Let's get this done really quick. <laughs> roll, roll. Let's go. We're, we're, we're ready to hit Manali. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But not I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't penalize an unskilled because okay. it's just looking. I just give an advantage. For but it won't invest- explode, right? It will because I'm, oh. not, I'm not necessarily calling it unskilled. Bending the rules. Yeah, because you're just trying to, to get keep past them, this. Yes. Um, yeah, you, you, you search through and... Uh, I had to roll high enough that I had to give them something. Yeah. You have been able to see the long-cut timbers. You have been able to see the stones, um, various building materials. There's a couple other interesting items that you see um, sort of tucked underneath the one. You do see piles and piles of bones um, sort of underneath where some of the timbers are. Um, I mean, a uncomfortably large amount of them. And bones are something that, honestly, other than animal bones, you don't see very common because all dead in Rokugan are burned. Um, no, no bodies are buried. So you can't really make out the distinction of whether they're animal, whether they're human, whatever the case may be. Um, but additionally, near the bones, there are five different large sort of jars that are filled with blood. Not indistinguishable red liquid. <laughs> blood. Blood. He just... Uh... Leans a hand <laughs> on one of the posts and grabs his temples and starts massaging them. Well, this, that's just fine. <laughs> James and Marimoto are the same person at this point so in time, yes. The metaphor that was spoken to us appears to have been truth. And that our bones may be added to this foundation. Hmm. It would seem that... Finally, we are seeing some amount of clarity. As you said earlier, Miramoto, that those who do not follow Bushido because they fail is a forgivable sin. But to not even try, I see this as an affront to Bushido. You're not buying into his nonsense. Nope. So let's talk about where Michael's state of mind is. Okay, yeah, I'm very curious. Okay. (laughs) My goal, and we'll see it happen later, was I wanted Miramoto to kill Daigotsu Jet. Like, I was Fair. trying to make that happen so right. that, you know, 
my, my comment about I'll see this to the end one way or the other. And then I'm like trying to get Miramoto. Remember when you talked about like I'm trying to get him. <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah. I, that's like, okay, this is what's going to happen. And that, and again, I don't want to give away. That's why what happened happens because, okay. because it was like there and then nothing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make this happen. Right. So. Right. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. You're instigating your own players. Yes. <laughs> your fellow players. It's the DM in me. <laughs> expand my cultural understanding to encompass all manners of behavior this is unacceptable are there any sort of markings on the jars of blood uh tons of them runes all up and down it um are any of them a confession (laughs) i did it no signed (laughs) damn it so close (laughs) There's, there's a small leather glove there, right? And we can see who wears it. That's right? exactly how this ends. Yeah. Just, right, you put on the glove, you put on the glove. If it doesn't hey, fit, you must have quit. There is certainly a white Bronco involved. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. This late, whole late, game. Late, late 90s jokes are finally creeping this in. This whole game has been leading to the O.J. Simpson reference, <laughs> and you thought we were going to hold together a serious game. <laughs> Suckers. Suckers. So as we talked about, and this will just be a quick one, uh, as, as we talked about, of course, we're tired, we're a little slap happy, we're doing O.J. Simpson jokes at this point. Two things. One, if, if you successfully build tension, people want to relieve that tension. And we are in, I mean, literally exasperated <laughs> breaths of tension right now. So when the players do this, don't see it as, oh, they're breaking character in this glorious tension. Go, no, this is, this is great. Allow that tension to kind of flow through. And then as we talked about, you as the GM are controlling the flow. And I made the jokes. I took part in the jokes and then immediately went, all right, now what you're seeing is this and resetting the tone back to our investigation. No, uh, th- th- there are n- numerous runes all up and down them, uh, d- different markings. Uh, if you wanted to make, it would be an unskilled intelligence roll because it's a lore skill that you clearly do not possess. You don't have lore spider by chance. Do you have lore theology? I do have theology. I do have theology. I'll give you lore theology. Why not? Always side with the players. Yeah, not so much on this one. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah, pimp. I only have a nine, so you got it. Yeah, you don't know anything about it. That is 20. 20. Um, it, it is good enough to know, um, while you can't make out a lot of details, um, you have seen this, and again, these are all very much encryptions of worship to some form of god or goddess. So, once again, the more we learn, the less clear things become. This is clearly a sacrifice to a god or goddess. Should these bones and this blood not be human then this is not out of the realm of the ordinary. But given the nature of our interaction over the past two days, I do fear that these are indeed human remains. It lends suspicion. However, in our personal interactions with the daimyo, he has not shown us anything but reason. If he were to make an overt threat rather than simply promise a show of strength should strength come upon him, I would be more eager to jump to that conclusion. When we jump, there is more chance of falling. Yes. With this knowledge in our minds, I suggest we return to our initial plan and seek information from the kami. Indeed.
I would also say that the bird must jump every time before it flies. This is wisdom, yes. It may come... Push and push it, Michael. Or I love it. Fight, and at this point, it's about a 50-50 situation. <laughs> so, not great odds. <laughs> Roulette odds. <laughs> if, if only we knew who the house was betting on. If only you knew what roulette was. <laughs> With that, you all are departing and traveling. Yes. Continuing up the dry riverbed towards the fork. As you get about, you know, halfway to the distance, you've, you've made the trip before. My honest hope on that scene was like, okay, they don't need to investigate. I gave them enough here. But Samurai that clearly recognize you all and are making their way to you. There is four of them dressed in battle armor. Mm-hmm. They approach... One bows politely. I bow politely back. Return the bow. I bow slightly less than appropriate. No, Jesus. <laughs> Daigotsu Jin has closed off this area to investigation. If you wish to continue your investigation, you must speak with him first. Mm. We would be happy to take you to him. He was expecting you this morning. Son of a bitch, motherfucker. <sighs> their way around it is there a way around it i don't have no there's no way i don't have a way to supersede his orders at all oh he's a dino <sighs> if you would please follow us we know it would be our pleasure <laughs> and with that the four of them walk to in front to and back and take you to the large leathery tent and just a little bit on this, obviously, um, this is, and there'll be a couple of these, a little more heavy-handed than I would normally be, uh, but again, our circumstances being, hey, we have, it is at this point, 1030 at night when we're recording this, that literally has to be done tonight because the next morning the four of us are going to go <laughs> go different directions into right. the wind. Uh, or I should say that three of us are going to drive back to Cincinnati, Ohio. But um, <laughs> the you know so it had to get done. So there's a, a little bit of just like okay, the story is now at its end. What we need to do is we need to get to the duel. That's where we're going. So everything you all are doing now is being directed you towards either uh, Yasuki or Daigotsu Jin. Uh, so in this case, it's like, okay, well, we want to go investigate. And they lead you off and make you go to Daigotsu Jin. Oh, you were at breakfast. Oh, Yasuki showing up. The big players who are now relevant, and as as pretty much uh, James' character said several times, every piece of information we're getting is just making this more cloudy, which is we're just stacking more – we're just stacking more and more things up on the, on our, our, our uh, dual-stacking plot here, and ultimately we've just got to make a decision and go with it. Uh, so what I'm trying to do at this point, mostly for the sake of time, if this was a home game, I would definitely let this play out a little bit more. I'm very heavy-handed going, okay. You need to interact with one of the two of these because we are at the point. Let's get to it. So my question for you, though, is why then did they not show up when we were inspecting the temple? Because we were in their territory. We were right there. Why did you let us go past that before you then redirected us back to that site? Because I want you all to call for the duel in some way, shape, or form. Uh, in my mind, if we recall, I'm still expecting you all to do it at the river with the stones. Right. Um, so I want, I don't want the final scene to be instigated, if I can avoid it, by me, the GM. I want you all to go, okay, 
get the two leaders together. It's time to render our verdict and we'll deal with the consequences as they come. Um, because I want you all to instigate that finale moment. So what I'm trying to do is put you in situations where that's the most logical thing to do. That you were in just yesterday that I was of Daigotsu Jin in the spider encampment. When you enter, he is seated as he was the first time you met him. Uh, although he does have his breakfast lie out before him, which is large portions of uncooked meat that he is shoving into his gullet. And he seems in good spirits this morning. As he sets his food down, bows, and greets you. Good morning. I hear you're trudging through my woods again. Indeed. There is still clarity that remains out of our grasp. You wish to investigate the site again, is that correct? As he takes a big bite out of a piece of meat. This is correct. As you know, the eyes of dragons are often in the clouds, and there can be details that are missed on the first look. I apologize for my incompetence, and I would not wish to impress upon you again, but I feel I must. Well, I have no interest in your eyes missing anything for a second time. Thus, it is concluded, I will travel with you to the site to aid in your investigation. I am ready to depart when you are. This is acceptable. He stands up, mm -hmm. he gives a deep bow to Haruma, playing that angle, and is opt to follow you. Mm-hmm. And I lead him back to the site. Is, are we being accompanied by his men? No, just him. Great. <laughs> <laughs> this is a confidence play, actually. And and, and we're going to see it um, when, when we hit sort of the, the finale, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. But um, there's a lot of reinforcement of how powerful Daigotsu is. Um, and, and this is, a, again, tools that I, I recommend to people as far as GM, because a lot of people have that, like, I want people to fear my big bad, okay? But you keep getting to the, like, okay, well, how do I make him fear? Okay, he kills a village of people. He You know, whatever. He's really powerful. Like, yeah, he's level 20, whatever you want to say. Um, but there's a lot more subtle ways you can do it, which is when he's just confident and he puts himself in situations like this, which is just like, no, I'm going to travel alone with the three of you all who I absolutely would probably want to murder me in the woods and I'm going to walk into it like I have not a care in the world. Suddenly it's like a wait, how strong is this guy or, actually? Or what does he know that we don't? Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just purely a confidence play of like he is that powerful and confident in his position that he can just do this without worry, which then puts worry on the players about what he is or, like you say, what he knows that you all don't know. Even though there's really nothing there, all of these are little steps to go like, okay, this guy is in our little world, which is these two villages in this feud. He is super powerful and we need to be concerned about him, even though he's never drawn a sword. He's never really done anything, um, you know, but we're, we're getting to establish that through very subtle means. As the four of you travel you get to of course where the river was forked by the dam before mm -hmm. uh nothing appears to be of significant difference than when you were there um obviously there is just uh, a whole bunch of sweeped grass where clearly something big was drugged through here before um and uh he has been chewing on pieces of meat the entire time as he travels 
Of course, you can cross to the other side of the river, as you did before, and you come upon the clearing. The crab body still lies there. Everything is the same. We didn't remove the crab body, No, we did we? not no. move it. We, um, we or we do couldn't... anything with it other than flip it. No. Um, so everything remains exactly as you left it the day before. So, tell me this, Hida. You tend to do some sort of spiritual investigation. The Kami and I shall convene. Let us see this. So I want to position myself so that I'm behind Hida, staring at Dayatujin. He he sees your gaze. He clearly knows it's there, but he refuses to meet it. Daigotsujin, you must have experience fighting dark forces. We've run into what you would call dark forces in the past. Yes, Marimoto. Have you seen them behave in this way? I, of course, am new to this area, and I have only read stories. I have heard of darkness coming down upon civilized places and attacking men and women. I have not heard of them doing something so strategic as this. The forces of Jigoku, the realm of evil, they where the Oni spew from are of their own volition. While, yes, some eat flesh, some throw rocks. And what I can see is that there is not just one crab samurai that I drug back to their camps, there is their other missing samurai, and what appears to be to a non-Chugenja such as myself, he says with a spiteful tone to Hida, to be where some form of ritual occurred. Indeed. Now... Your powers of observation impress and never cease. They clearly don't impress you at all, Morimoto, and my bite pleasantries are shortly running out with your kind here. So let's get this investigation concluded... Indeed. So that I may finish building my palace. Please, Hida. Continue. Hida will take a deep breath, and he will walk towards the crab body that is lying on the ground. Um, and he will uh, assume a, a prayerful stance and start to go through the spellcasting ritual. Um, okay. And what, what, what are you... Are, I think we're doing the, the commune spell again, yes? Right. Now, do I still need to do a sense um, first? Yeah, yes, you, you need to okay. do a, a sense one first, because um, last time you were going for a very specific object. Um, this will give you kind of a feeling of what's around you. Um, and again, you cast the sense in any of the, the four basic elements, and you get an idea of what kind of comedy of that element is... In close proximity. I'm going to start with fire. Okay. Uh, so I will start with a... Nothing makes a GM who's trying to hurry a story along heart sink more than I will start with. Yeah. <laughs> so this would actually use both your fire slots. You have to cast sense with a fire. Mm -hmm. So TN of it's 10. 
You do your fire spell casting roll. Bad mechanical um, design, fourth edition. Bad. Gain me on this roll. Uh, it, it's uh, on this roll. Um, really, the only thing raises do would be identify very specific kami. If you okay. were like, if you were here before and spoke with one, because there's mm. literally hundreds of kami around you, and you wanted to come back and speak to that exact same one again, you would need raises to say identify that specific one. Gotcha. Okay, so I will make this roll without any raises as yep. normal. Um, out of game for a minute because we talked about it last night and mm-hmm. I forget. Um, the the fire spirits potentially paid attention to something specific uh, about the, humanity. The, the fire spirits actually give the most direct and clear information. Their problem is they're temperamental and irritable when they are summoned. So to a degree, often it requires some sort of thing for them to burn to appease them to get them in a willingly talking mood, but once you do, they're far more direct than the others. Alright, let me cast the spell first to see, or make the roll first. That is a 14. 14, that passes. Um, you, you sense an extreme lack of fire kami in the area, which doesn't surprise you, because there aren't many things burning at the moment. Um, but the what is surprising to you is the lack is not that there are no, or even few, it's that there is one. And it's almost a faint signal that you get. There's the, he's here, but would would I go to the area where I sense this spirit? If you've or... sensed it, you're you're within range to I'm, do the commune okay. as well. Gotcha. Yep, and he'll come out of wherever he is when you do it. Gotcha. Um, so I will now cast um, commune as a fire spell. I'm going to cast it normally without any races. Okay. Um, so TN of ten. Although, can I spend a is there a void point to give me a numerical bonus to the roll? Uh, not a numerical, but an extra 1k, 1 die. Oh, okay. Yep. Or additionally, you can spend a void point to gain a free raise on a roll, which means you get to do a raise without increasing the arm or the TN. You can use it for either of those functions. I think I would like to do that. Um, which, which function? In the vein of clarity. All these mechanics so, are slowing the dang game down. It's so weird to me, like, because obviously this is the first podcast game that I did. I go, I hand wave mechanics so much for podcast specifically stuff now. You focus too hard and you couldn't summon it out. Wait, is, what, your roll is two dice? Three. Three. Oh, Three K2. You got the free raise. Okay, yeah. that's right. Yep. The Now, there is nothing to stop you from trying to commune again. You would take another spell slot, lost to do it, um, and obviously you wouldn't get the benefit of the void point on it. But you're trying to, to coax out this one, and, and you almost feel it. it's a fainting kami. It's, it's barely still in an accessible plane of existence. Would there be a, a sense of impropriety if I tried again? Would I offend it by casting the spell twice? Like I'm... Knocking really hard on Not the door. so much. You, normally with, with a failure in that regard, um, it, it's just seen as, as you did something wrong and didn't entice them. Um, the only time they really get angry is when you directly attack them, say, when you try to banish them. Well, I know how that goes. <laughs> um, okay, I'll spend another spell slot. Rhyme. And you cannot pull its focus out. As as you're you're, you're getting... You're there, you're on track, you're focused this time, you're almost there, and all of a sudden you get slapped on the back in the middle of your prayer by Daigotsu Jin, and he goes, how's it going? And your focus goes away, and you fail the roll. I see no kami coming before us. What an asshole. 
The particular kami in which he was trying to communicate may not have been in the area. We are simply being diligent. Kami are not mortals like you and I, where we can speak directly or in some cases indirectly. They must be approached in the appropriate manner, and their whims must be met. My investigation here continues. By all means. Haruma, do the other members of your crab family normally take this long to conduct them? They take as much time as necessary to ensure a thorough investigation. He, 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 you he are so salty. <laughs> I hear it now. You are so salty. I go to Jin. They're not, are there not Shugenja amongst the spiders? I had heard tell that you fierce warriors also possessed fierce magic. We do have Shugenjas. However, the most talented of our Shugenjas, your kind, did not find writ proper to be in Rokugan. Mm. So our proper Shugenja numbers are relatively low currently. I see. Because they were all doing blood magic. Please, Hida, center yourself. Yes, please, Hida. Hida is going to take a stroll around the clearing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Basically in a sense of clearing his mind and gaining a sense of the area. Um, geographically, the distance between the clearing we are in and the lake bed or the dam is. How mm -hmm. far is that? Uh, n not far. You're... Um half a mile or so I'll walk around the clearing for a moment and then head back towards the river and at this point Dagotsu Jin is staying with the others the three of you in the clearing you head back towards the river uh, when I get to the dam mm -hmm. I want to uh, use sense to locate water spirits okay using a water spell slot using sense The dice are not liking me today. Uh, this time they do. Jesus Christ. Uh, 22. Absolutely. There are an abundance of them because of obviously the river. Um, and wh while they are sort of flowing and fleeting past you, um, th they do feel to be in some form of anguish or pain. Um, probably because of the, the diversion, though. Yeah. All right. I will cast uh, Commune again as a water... I will. Mother. Uh, I'm going to spend a void point for the 1k1. Okay. Giving me 4k3. 4k3. Uh, <laughs> I'll keep it. No. I want to raise, though, for a third question. Okay. So, 15 is the target number. Oh, Jesus. 18. Yeah! Whoa! That was a nail biter. Phew. Um, oh. Yes, and, and you 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 see a, a water kami almost this the, the, this misformed blob of water kind of crawl itself out of the river and actually perches up on the rocks that are the dam. Greetings, honored kami. And it sort of d d does this weird bow where it sort of flips end over end, but you kind of take it as a bow. You've seen him do this odd function before. The end of the ones Made up lore. <laughs> I am sorry to bother you, but I sense your discomfort. 
and I am on a quest of knowledge to alleviate the problem in this area. And you see it sort of bobbing from side to side. In a generally <laughs> yes manner. Yes. What can you show me about this dam being created? And with that, you see it leap off the rocks and it splashes down into the river. And as you look where all the, the, the ripples are sort of being washed away by the flow, an image starts to appear just underneath the surface. And you can see boulders being chucked. One, two, splashing, splashing. And you see them splashing and washing down splashing and washing down and at the very end of the image you, you you see this sort of fat grotesque blob that appears on land and then the image fades under the surface and the kami bobbles back up to the rocks and does his little bobble side to side thing that's what i expected the being you just revealed to me what do you know of his arrival in this area once again, it jumps off, splashes down, and another scene forms just underneath. And, and you see almost these crude stick figure type drawings that move. Um, and, and you see one in blue and one in black, and they move, and then they fade away. You see a dirt circle appear, and then that big fat blob come up through. You, you would recognize that the blue and black is to represent it of one spider and one crab. Well, then that would be it, isn't it? It's a dead, it's a dead crab. And there was a spider with him. One crab goes in and one spider comes out. Yep. And of course, with that, he never comes back out of the river and he is gone. No, I did the raise for three. Oh, three. I thought it was clarity. No, I did the raise. Well, you're getting both. <laughs> so he, instead of that, he, you, you sit and wait for a while, concerned that he's not coming back, but eventually he bobs back up on his perch. Covering my own. Oh, yeah, language. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I got jokes. Uh, I must beg your assistance for one final inquiry. In the time prior to this atrocity being thrust upon your home. Can you show me anything about a mortal like myself who may have passed by your domicile? With that, he jumps and lands in a splash on a puddle on the land right next to you. And you look down in it, and you see your own face, and then you see it slowly fade out and change to a face of an older grizzled warrior that you recognize because his body still lays in the clearing back there. Of course. We couldn't have a simple goddamn cut and dry. <laughs> this commie bastards. This cop on the end of his ropes. Uh, from a... From a, a game point standard, a mechanical standard, mm -hmm. um, are there any offerings that I would give to specifically a water kami? Um, not, not per se. Um, I, I mean, sometimes they, you, you've known Jugenja to, to offer, um, you know, vials or bowls or so for it to rest near you when you're speaking with it. But mm -hmm. sort of once it's done its thing, it goes back and most of the time forgets it ever interacted with you. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I... I bow my head again towards the kami. Thank you, spirit. Your information has been helpful. But, but has it? 
Has it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is where we will end episode seven. Yes. That basically pushes us right into the grand finale, which will be episode eight. So final words, Jim, and then I tell us where your mind is. Yeah, um, my, my mind is, is still, I, again, I, I, I think I think I've done it. I, I think that <laughs> the, our duel is going to happen here at the at the dam, uh, presumably. Well, the location's not, not super important, but I'm like, okay, they've got enough convincing in their mind that Daigotsu Jin did it. It's time to call people together. It's time to call out that go to Jim. He's going to pull his ace in the, in the, in the hand, which is the leverage that he's gotten over, over, uh, Haruma, Michael's character. And, you know, then we're going to have our, our big finale moment. Um, so everything seems to be pretty spot on, uh, as far as exactly where we're going. Uh, it's kind of funny to watch because like that, that whole investigative scene gathering the inspira- or gathering the information. It's, it's that we've hit the point where it's like, Information doesn't help us. Like yeah. we realize we're not going to get a signed confession from Daigotsu Jin. We just have to move forward. And you even heard heard it in Caleb's questions. It's like I don't really know what else to ask for here. <laughs> like we're there, and that's the moment you want to be at. You know, <laughs> you should have been like, "Did he do it?" <laughs> and then he would get the response. Yes, he's done many things in his life. You yeah. know, that's that's how it goes. But so that, that's where we're at. And I think we're, we're going to hit it. We're going to hit it great. It's going to be perfect. And spoiler alert, it does not go that way at all, which is the best. Some might say it was better than intended. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome, Jim. Well, thank you as always for doing this. Uh, everyone listening, hopefully you are still with us. Again, the next episode should be the last one for this first series. Uh, the goal is for these to come out every week starting early January 2018. So around the middle of February is when they will end. And then Jim and I want to do a live question and answer show, probably doing our, our Twitch channel for anyone who's been listening to this who wants to ask questions. Maybe we didn't touch on something that you thought was important, or maybe you picked up on something that we glossed over, uh, or you just want to talk about our GMing style or just whatever. Uh, we're going to try to do a live show that you can join us for that. And assuming that people seem to enjoy the series, we would like to continue and do the second L5R series that aired on uh, the RBG Academy feed and do it all over again. But Absolutely. That, that really depends on you listening and commenting and let us know that you enjoy it so that it's worth our time and effort. So with that, this has been Michael. This has been Jim. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, 
our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at vrpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at vrpgacademy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. <laughs>